Are we going to be that brave country that takes big decisions, looks forward, makes the investment in infrastructure everyone can benefit? Or are we going to sort of be stuck where we were? Uh, and I am firmly of the view that this is a moment to be, of course, fair to every individual impacted, but you've got to see the really big picture over the 100-year horizon. And on that basis, we can definitely afford it. High Speed 2 is Britain's most ambitious rail scheme since the Victorian era and the biggest infrastructure project the country's ever seen. The new line will run trains at speed to stations between London, the Midlands and the North, including Birmingham. Supporters say it's more than a near £100 billion investment of public money. They say it will transform our inner cities, create thousands of jobs, free up capacity on the existing overloaded rail routes to offer a better commuter experience, and in the process, squeeze the economic chasm that exists between North and South. And yet, for all those promised benefits, plenty of people continue to protest. We all lived here very, very happy. HS2 came along and said, mate, you've got to go. The idea that HS2 is going to be this panacea, this magic one that's going to cure the North-South divide, is absolutely made up. In this episode, I speak to West Midlands Mayor Andy Street, commercial property expert Carl Potter of Avis and Young, and the NEC's Chief Executive Paul Tandy, to find out why they stand by HS2 and why they believe it is vital the project goes ahead in full. HS2, walking the line. Andy Street is the Conservative Mayor of the West Midlands. He's been one of HS2's most vocal allies for over a decade. He recently sat on the review panel that revisited the costs, opposition and need for HS2 and recommended it goes ahead. It will now be down to the next Prime Minister, of whatever political colour, to decide whether to heed that call. We meet in the headquarters of the West Midlands Combined Authority, the organisation that Mr Street leads. I'm here with Andy Street, Mayor of the West Midlands. We're here to talk all things HS2. I think it's fair to say, Andy, that you're, you are intimately knowledgeable about the history of the HS2 project and where we can expect it to go in the future. I don't know if you can bring us up to date. We've just had the review carried out, of which you've been part. Where are things sitting at the moment? So this project goes back to 2009, so 10 years ago, when the then Labour Transport Secretary, Andrew Adonis, first introduced the idea. It was adopted by the coalition government and uh, they really got behind it, which led, of course, to it going through Parliament for the first phase and then the diggers coming in the ground at Curzon Street. But the truth is that prices had escalated. So when Boris Johnson came in as Prime Minister, he said, we've got to review whether or not this is still value for money for the country. So we set up this review panel. As you said, I was on the review panel. It's just concluding now. The report will go into government. But then the interesting thing is it's then a political decision by whoever is government, frankly, after the election, as to whether or not they give the technical go-ahead for all the main contracts for the first phase between London and Birmingham. 
You, as a politician, um, clearly have your own view on the importance of HS2. What, in a nutshell, will it bring to Birmingham and the region? And why have you campaigned and pushed for it to remain in its current form? Yeah, so I've been a um, fervent advocate of this really since it began to get real about 2011 and I was leading the local enterprise partnership at that time. So yes, I am a strong believer in it. I suppose I would call out two really big um, reasons for it. The first is that it will actually help our transport connections transform them from what they are now. Now, people often talk about London, Birmingham, but actually I think of even more important to us is Birmingham, Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, Birmingham, Nottingham. They're the links that are not so good. But obviously, in the way I just reel that out, it puts Birmingham right at the heart of the new sort of spine of transport system throughout the whole country. So we're going to be the best connected place. And if you try to get a train from Birmingham to Manchester at the moment, you certainly wouldn't say that was a particularly good service. But probably even more important than that is about the way it drives the economic regeneration of a place. And the good thing is you can already see that happening around Birmingham and around Curzon Street in particular. You don't actually have to train here for the impact to be felt because the property companies, they sort of invest ahead of what's going to happen. They've done that. And so jobs have already been created here. Probably about 8,000 jobs, we last estimate, on the back of the promise of that coming. And we're sure it will only be more and more of that if the trains eventually come. There's that big if though, isn't there? I know you can't go into the into the into what the recommendations are going to be, but there's a lot at stake here, it feels, for Birmingham and the West Midlands. Um, no, uh, you know, no less than we can see currently at the train stations where only this month we've had some really dire train services. We hear quite a lot about how HS2 will have a, a huge knock-on impact to local services. I think a lot of people are a bit confused about mm. how that works. How does that or really why it work? Work? Yeah. yeah, so I don't know if you can help us. Let's try to explain that because you know, what comes out from this, doesn't it, Jane, is that HS2 has been sold on the speed, the speed of going to London, or indeed I always say the people who go, the speed of going to Birmingham. And, you know, there aren't many people listening to this in Birmingham who are that worried about 20 minutes less on the journey to London. But I think they are worried about the reliability of all of the services through New Street. And as you say, at the moment, that is not good enough. So let's just explain how HS2 will make a big difference to this. If you think at the moment, all the different types of services are on that line between Coventry and Birmingham. The fast trains run by Virgin to London, the little local stopping trains that stop everywhere, the sort of intermediate cross-country trains, even the Welsh train goes out uh, that way, believe it or not. And they're all on that track together. And the problem is that when one goes wrong, everything else is affected. The whole idea of this high-speed line is that it is separated from the rest so that it is a dedicated service. And, you know, if there's a problem with the little local stopping train, it doesn't, it breaks down, for example, it doesn't cause the London-Birmingham service to be suspended as well, which is what we've got at the moment. And the principle here is if you've got a line where everything's doing the same high-speed, almost like a tube train, you can think about it, that they all sort of move in tandem. We don't have that at the moment. So it'll make the long distance service more reliable, but also by taking it off the track, it also means you can use that freed capacity 
for more local services. So I'm sure the Birmingham Coventry service will actually be made more frequent when we're not having to use the technical word is train paths, the slots in another way of thinking about it for that long distance service. It's the separating gives us that freed capacity. We can do new things with that freed capacity whilst making everything more reliable. I think there's still this sense among people who aren't looking to use the train from Birmingham to London, who aren't regular commuters, who don't need to travel frequently to the capital city or vice versa, about what it will do for them and what it will do for their transport needs. We've got a city, um, a city council that is determined to take the car out of the city of Birmingham as much as they possibly can and and are committed to that kind of car-free environment. Simultaneously, we've got uh, a real desire to get more people onto public transport and a real sense that we need to invest in our local services. And then at the same time, we see billions being spent on this high-speed line. And I think that's where people are struggling to see how that priority is is the right one. So the first thing I've explained is by having a high-speed dedicated line, it should improve the reliability of the local service. And I think people do accept that, actually. The second thing I'd say, and of course, the second thing we've said, because you went straight back to London, the second thing I've said is it improves the services to Manchester, Leeds, Nottingham, everywhere else up north where the services are not good at the moment. And so that matters to lots of business people, people traveling for leisure. The third thing it does is actually bring in investment in our local services. Let me explain what I mean by that. When HS2 was agreed, there was the deal that actually brought about the combined authority. It was called the HS2 growth deal and cash for investment in our local services came for that. And if you think about Moore Street Station and the proposals for investments there, that's right next to the new HS2 station, be absolutely connected by just a footbridge. So you'd be able to get off the HS2 station at the train at Curzon Street, just walk that footbridge across to Moore Street and then more services from there. So it's not just about the long distance fast trains, it's about how they connect with local trains. And we've given a commitment and it's why the Metro is being done and it's why the Metro will go to the HS2 station, that nobody in the conurbation will be more than 40 minutes away from one of the two HS2 terminal stations, either at Curzon Street or Interchange in Solihull. So it's not either national services or local, it's actually the two hand in glove. The picture you're painting is is a really positive one. I guess right now we're living with the reality of the infrastructure work. Clearly that's already being, is very visible around Mm. Birmingham in particular Mm. at the moment. And that comes with some uh, difficulties for some businesses and people that have been directly affected. Is it a case of short-term pain for long-term gain? Is it a case that people have to accept that with major infrastructure projects comes some upheaval? Or is there more, do you think, that HS2 could and should yeah. be doing? Interesting question. Um, I think the answer is both, actually, isn't it? The, you, the, you, you, we're not going to be able to make this biggest infrastructure investment ever in Britain, biggest investment at the moment anywhere in Europe, without some disruption. That would probably be unreasonable. And over the last couple of years, we've been sitting down with HS2, with Highways England, with Network Rail, trying to work out how it's organised 
to minimize it on customers. So it crosses the motorways in a number of locations. How are those works actually planned, sequenced, so that we can minimize the disruption? But I can't make all that go away, but we can certainly be the best planning possible. But then there's another part, which I sense you're hinting at as well, which is actually a whole swathe of land adjacent to the track coming into Birmingham is going to have the going to have to be secured. And actually, I'm sure lots of your listeners have seen what's gone on down at Curzon Street. They're knocking down some flats to make that possible. And in that sense, yeah, that too is unavoidable. But then you come to the fact this must be done absolutely fairly to the existing landowners. HS2 could be doing a far better job than they are currently doing about getting payments to those people quickly, agreeing the prices fairly and honourably up front than quickly paying. So there's definitely a better performance than is currently on, offered. And as soon as the government gives the go-ahead for the, fine, you know, the, the main works, we need to be making sure it's done in the very best possible way. And you're in a position to be able to influence some of that I'm, I'm, I'm able to. I'm very much able to influence all the planning around it, the integration with existing transport sequence things done. Absolutely, we're trying to do that. We have these high-level uh, meetings that try to organise that meetings, bloody meetings. You'll say, does it achieve anything? But the whole purpose is how do we make sure the impact on commuters, residents is minimised? So, absolutely. Uh, if you're saying, am I there to influence the compulsory purchase process? It's called where lands accumulate. That no, that's that's actually governed by the law of the land as to how that has to be done. But then the company has got to execute it brilliantly, which which is which is really important. You're positive about the the impact on uh, jobs and prosperity. Mm. Um, I, I've heard you yeah. say that very many times. Yeah. What would be your kind of final message, really, for people who continue to protest, continue to say HS2 should be scrapped? Mm that it's, it's uh, a waste of money, essentially. Yeah. Um, how are you going to convince them? that? Yeah. I'd, say I'd probably say one thing that's going to sound all very innumerate, but it's emotional. Every single piece of major infrastructure this country has done, you look back 10 years later and think, how on earth did we do without it? Remember all the challenge over the Channel Tunnel? Who now thinks we wouldn't have that for ease of trade. You think linking London and Birmingham by the M40, enormous outcries over that. Can you imagine if we were still just dependent on just the M1? So you look back at the infrastructure and, you know, all sorts of infrastructure. Digital is a form of infrastructure as well. You do it and you look back and say, and I am sure this case is the same. But then I would say, let's be really hard-nosed about it. This is public money and there has to be very good value for money for it. I get that. It's right that it's examined. I am confident, though, that when uh, the Treasury look at all the numbers around this after review, they will look and they'll say, yes, this is the right thing to do. And it's a sort of 100-year investment. It's a sort of moment of truth for Britain. Are we going to be that brave country that takes big decisions, looks forward, makes investment in infrastructure, everyone can benefit? Or are we going to sort of be stuck where we were? Uh, and I am firmly of the view that this is a moment to be, of course, fair to every individual impacted, but you've got to see the really big picture over the 100-year horizon. And on that basis, we can definitely afford it. It's not just politicians who are pressing for HS2 to go ahead in full. Regional business leaders and local developers share in a belief that HS2 is going to unlock Birmingham's potential 
as a destination for high-spending investors, whose new commercial, residential and leisure projects will generate wealth that will ultimately benefit us all. Carl Potter, Managing Director of Birmingham Commercial Real Estate Consultants, Avis and Young, is among them. I'm here with Carl Potter, Managing Director of Avis and Young's Birmingham office. Avis and Young are commercial real estate consultants. Carl, if you can start off by telling me a little bit about who you are and your company and what your involvement has been with HS2 over the, the past 10 years. Morning, Jane. Um, let, let's just talk a little bit about our involvement and, and what Avis and Young do. So, as you say, we're real estate consultants, but we, we've embedded ourselves in Birmingham where we've We've worked for, for over 200 years. Not personally, I've been here for 35 years, but th that's how far our roots go back into this city. We, we are, to a large extent, urban regeneration specialists. So we, we advise a lot of local authorities, a lot of universities, and a lot of developers, investors on urban regeneration. And if you look back at the history um, of HS2 since it was announced, we've been doing a lot of work um, in the city in preparation for or trying to repair some of the impacts that HS2 has already had. Tell me, please, why is it, in your opinion, that HS2 is a good thing for Birmingham and West Midlands and a project that we should all be embracing? Well, I think first we need to look at the specifics. The first phase of HS2 is all about linking the Midlands to London. So the region becomes the first port of call and is the first to benefit. So economically, it's really important for the whole route to be completed. And that's what creates the greatest impact. But Birmingham and the Midlands gets the benefits first, gets the benefits sooner. And then as other cities follow through the expanded route, the economic benefits to the region grow significantly. You obviously feel that HS2 is a vital component for Birmingham and the West Midlands future. Um, how do you see that playing out in the years ahead? How do you see it actually coming to life for Birmingham? Well, it, in my view, it's already shaped the way in which the city sees itself and, and the emphasis of new investment has now been opened up to the eastern parts of the city, to East Side and Digbeth, which are physically close to the Curzon Street station. Uh, but the routes outwards from HS2 and where the station's going to land, both to Aston University, to the city core and to the retail centre are now all remapped with different uses and greater levels of development than one would have envisaged had HS2 not been on the table. So, Carl, you speak to investors and developers all the time. Is HS2 a factor in the decisions they're making around whether to invest in Birmingham and other parts of the region? Uh, yes, is yeah, the stark answer. But it's not just Birmingham. There's been a concentration from some investors who are looking just at HS2 cities. So they're looking around the country and saying, what is the future of the regional cities? What are they doing? How, how are they reacting to it? And I talked earlier about the advantages of benefiting first from HS2. I think it's acknowledged that there will be delays to opening um, HS2, but investors, while they always need a good long-term rationale, will be swayed by these factors. And developers will, to a large extent, be cognizant of investor preferences, because after all, the two go hand in hand. And hence, there is already a, a real emphasis on attracting investment into Birmingham, and into the regions around Birmingham. So you can see the impact already in Coventry and in Wolverhampton as those cities grow alongside Birmingham. And these investors are coming from much further afield because of that pull factor. 
You used the word vital earlier. We do need to appreciate it's not a one-trick pony. So Birmingham's got a lot more going for it. And people won't just go and invest because there's an HS2 station. It's an added factor that will really help to lift the city and the region. How would a scaled down version or potentially its complete cancellation affect both the mood and the prosperity of Birmingham? I think, I think this is about a mood issue. It's, it, it's wrong to say that there is a stark reality that people will go or they won't go with decisions depending on HS2. What is happening and what does happen in the real world is that people take all the factors into account. And HS2 has been an added factor that Birmingham has been able to use to sell itself. It's got so much good going for it already, but there is a huge economic imbalance in this country. There's a massive differential in productivity in London, which is above the European average, and productivity outside of London, which is significantly below the European average. And part of that is all about the investment and the investment that has been put into infrastructure projects in London, which has starved the rest of the country. It's only fair and right that the rest of the country benefits from the infrastructure provisions that the, the country needs. And this is only part of it. You, Birmingham needs to be better connected to London and to the other regional cities. It needs to free up the rail lines it's got that commuters use that at the moment are fighting a battle for space within the rail lines. And those are the really big issues that people look at. It's, it's as much important for an investor to make sure that employees can get into the center of city from Birmingham as it expands, as it is that we have great HS2 London connections. I, I hear you, um, but what I also hear from um, people in some of the communities that I regularly visit and speak to um, is, is perhaps a slightly different story. Um, so what I often write about is the impact of political decisions on communities in the city and beyond that are perhaps deemed a bit left behind. They're populated by people who are less well off in poorer parts of the city. For them, the prospect of a shiny new train line between London and Manchester means very little. What they are doing is using local transport and local transport lines. And they just see this as another, um, I guess, being too not being too harsh about it as another vanity project that is not for them. So I guess my question to you is, um, how will the lives of those people, that's the people in places like Ladywood, Alum Rock, Stetchford, Aston, I mean, I could go on, um, be made better by the arrival of HS2? Okay, well, let, let's, let's look at how people react within cities and, and what cities can do for people. Because it, it is very important, as I said earlier, that you spread prosperity wide and deep into communities. So you start with London as a very advantaged city, and then you start with Birmingham as a less advantaged city, and then you start to look at these wards that you talk about, where people need to increase their prosperity, they need to increase the opportunities that are available there. And what HS2 does, it provides a focal point for the transport infrastructure to bleed out elsewhere into the city, into different parts of the city. So alongside HS2, the city and the combined authority are investing massively in the infrastructure that links up. So you take some of those examples of Perry Bar, 
you know, with the Commonwealth Games coming forward now in 2022, the city has speeded up the introduction of the Sprint bus system, which links Walsall directly into Birmingham city centre, linking into HS2. You look at Ladywood, the tram that links from the HS2 station down to Digbeth and into the rest of the tram work now gets pushed out beyond Ladywood and into Edgebaston so that Ladywood becomes connected both eastwards into the city and westwards um, outside of the city. And Alum Rock benefits with the new HS2 maintenance depot at Washwood Heath and the regeneration around that area that's, that's coming forward. So every single suburb that you mentioned, every little bit of Birmingham has an impact or is impacted on in some way, shape or form by HS2 and everything else that the local authorities in the area are doing to make the most of its arrival. A few miles south of Birmingham stands the mega leisure complex that is the NEC one of the flagship venues in the NEC Group's portfolio. A new HS2 interchange station is destined to open close by, serving the NEC and Birmingham Airport. I met Chief Executive Paul Tandy in his office to talk all things HS2, with Brexit uncertainty thrown in for good measure. Our plans are not High Speed 2 dependent. Categorically, if High Speed 2 does come, which I, I, I'm convinced it should, it, our plans will get enhanced. You've kind of painted a picture that, that perhaps is a bit contrary to some of the messages we're getting from regional politicians, which is without HS2, the region is going to really struggle. You know, what, what you've just told me there is obviously the NEC has been around for a long time, will continue to be around, HS2 will be Add-on. Look, there's a there's a key in that. There's, I mean, they're polit politicians. I run a business. You know, I, I can't sit there and complain about the economy to my shareholders. I've got to do something about it. Um, I have great sympathy with what their what their point is. I can only control what I can control, um, and that's why I, I, I fundamentally believe high speed two is not just about the prosperity of the West Midlands. It's about rebalancing the UK economy. It's about rebalancing the infrastructure investment. If you look at Crossrail, if you look at all the transportation investment that's got into the southeast, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. Yet the rest of the country hasn't had that sort of infrastructure investment. And so there's a reason why the, econ the economics of the country are completely southeast biased. You can't have that continuing if you want a balanced society, if you want to create wealth and jobs, and if the path that the UK has currently chosen about dropping out of the EU, whenever that will happen, that's not my point here. But if that path is chosen, then you've got to invest in the rest of the country. There's so much out there outside of London, and I say that being born and bred and being a London, and we still got a house there. I'm, I'm there two, three days a week for my business, but it's all about rebalancing the UK economy so that we create wealth, jobs, that creates tax, that creates hospitals, schools and housing for everyone else outside of the South East as well. The suggestion is that there are plans and initiatives that are at risk if HS2 doesn't go ahead. Yeah, I imagine there are. Because if you look at the economics of it, 
the the economics of of infrastructure investment, the economics of people movement, the economics of creating jobs, creating wealth, is absolutely enhanced by high speed too. It's not the speed, it's the capacity. It's about the fact that if you look back in history, the regeneration that takes place from high speed one to high speed two, et cetera, et cetera. If you look back at history, you can see what high speed one has done. You can see fact how many jobs it's created, how many housing it's created, the wealth that that creates, which then goes into the economy. Mm-hmm. So I, the economics of investment, building offices, building hospitals, building schools, building leisure assets, etc., absolutely get enhanced by high speed too. So I imagine some, some plans will be shelved. But that doesn't impact you. No, well, you know, the thing that we've got is we've got within two hours access to 42 million people in the country. Um, and it's probably upwards of that number now. So if if you base your plans just on a base level on that and the economics add up, then you can carry on investing. Once the economics get enhanced by high speed, two glory days, you know, absolutely. But for me, it's not just about the plans here. It's about the plans all across the West Midlands. It's about the plans all across the Midlands, the East Midlands as well, but it's the plans beyond that. It's the plans about rebalancing the UK economy. Now, I know there's rumours of um, beyond Birmingham, it may be shelved. I think that's madness. You've got to continue. You've got to invest in the rest of the country's infrastructure. Spain have done it. France have done it. Germany have done it. Japan have done it. China are building seven high-speed two lines, and we haven't even built one. I mean, I was just going to say, I had a discussion with a family who were sort of uprooted by HS2. They lived in a row of houses. They've been forced to move. He's from India originally. And the point he made was, why are we obsessing about high speed in a country as small as ours? When he said, you know, clearly Japan and India and Germany and France all have a good reason for wanting to get people moving vast distances. We don't quite have that. And I think that's where that's one of the struggles that people have had in understanding. Yeah, but it's missing the, the point completely. High speed two is not about speed, it's about capacity. Yes, it does save a bit of time. And those of us who use a train all the time can do with that time back because you don't get enough time to do your work. But high speed two is not about speed, it's about capacity. I mean you, you touched on kind of uncertainty. We're in we're in the you know, in an era of Brexit uncertainty that continues. Um throwing on top this confusion about HS2 that seemed like it was, you know, all stations go and that everybody knew what was happening to suddenly back in back under under scrutiny. Um is that difficult for a businessman to bit work around yeah, or do you just have plan A, plan B, plan C and you just have the projections ready? You do, but to a certain extent you can't you, you get to a point where you can't really plan for what what you have no idea about. So you can only control what you can control. And this is a sad state of affairs, but nothing shocks me out of politics now. You know, you, you just look at what's going on. It's unbelievable. And it's, there seems to be no recourse to these people. If I make lies and promises that are false to my shareholders, I would go to jail because I'd be accused of fraud, et cetera, et cetera. I'll get struck off as a director. It's not beyond the wit of man to see where I'm going with this. Yeah, it's frustrating. Frustrating for us all to watch from the sidelines. But as you say, when you've got 
the issue that I so don't, many people. The issue that I just, um, I travel a lot looking how we can grow our company. And the issue that I think majority of people don't understand or don't see is that everyone else is way ahead of us, way ahead of us. If we don't get some clarity on what we're doing, we are going to be left behind as a country. This belief that the UK is a massive country is, is completely wrong. I mean, I was going to touch on some of the some of the kind of very, I guess, what what probably seem in the big scheme of things quite parochial impacts of HS2. Um, they're the things that perhaps grab the headlines while things are being built, the businesses and the families that are impacted directly. Um, seeing that um, that kind of narrative, I guess, yeah. um, the environmental impact, the you know the woodlands being protected, all those things. Um, do you feel like HS2 have, have miscalculated or done things wrong, or is this just the nature of massive infrastructure uh, projects? It's the nature of massive infrastructure projects. It's the nature of development. It's the nature of a forward-thinking economy. You know, it's um, if you look at how technology is made in certain industries redundant. You know, there's a social impact to that. You know, those people have got mortgages, wives, children. They've got husbands, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and their social the impact of technology on their jobs and their life is huge. But you've got it everywhere. So it's not just about infrastructure projects. You've got it. This is, unfortunately, this is progress in the Western economy. But we've got to embrace that. Look at the M1, look at the M25, look at when all of those big infrastructure projects were put down. They've transformed the economy categorically. This is another M1. The message from West Midlands businesses, investors and local politicians is clear. We need HS2. Without it, we will survive. But with it, we could do wonders. HS2. Walking the Line. Get HS2. Walking the Line from wherever you normally get your podcasts. Or you can download the Entail app on iOS for an enriched experience with pictures, maps and graphics.